The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. I'd like to share a story with you. The year was 1944. The place, the barracks of Bergen-Belsen concentration camp. An old rabbi secretly taught a 13-year-old boy whose name was Joachim Joseph, his bar mitzvah portion. He was born in Berlin, this boy. He was raised in a non-religious home in Amsterdam. He watched as others in his community had a bar mitzvah, and he asked his father if he could have one too. His father said, sure. And before the chance came for his bar mitzvah, the Nazis Yemach Shemam came. Joseph and his brother ended up in Bergen-Belsen, in the same barracks with Rabbi Dasberg. Rabbi Dasberg was the chief rabbi of the Netherlands. Rabbi Dasberg took an interest in this boy, Joachim. And Joachim told him that he had a desire to have a bar mitzvah, and they never came to happen. The rabbi asked Joachim, how badly do you still want that bar mitzvah? He said, very badly. Are you willing to risk your life for it? He said, yes. So each night when the camp was asleep, the rabbi studied with this young boy, his bar mitzvah portion. It was early Monday morning, March of 1944. Some of the men stood guard at the windows to make sure that no SS officer was approaching. The rabbi takes out a tiny Sefer Torah, a tiny Torah scroll. The Torah scroll was four and a half inches tall. The 13-year-old boy, Joachim Joseph, chanted the blessings on the Torah, and he read his portion right there in Bergen-Belsen. Mazel tov, mazel tov, each one greeted the boy. The rabbi hugged the boy and cried. And then he took this small Torah, and he said to Joachim, I know my days here are numbered. I want you to take this Torah. And if God will bless you, that you survive, I want you to take this Torah out with you. And you must tell the world, tell the world, that here in Bergen-Belsen, we had a bar mitzvah on this Torah. Let the world know that even here, in the most evil place on earth, we Jews kept our faith. The world needs to know this. Never give up your hope in tomorrow. Tell the world. Rabbi Dasberg died February 24th, 1945, just a few months before the British liberated the camp. Joachim kept this Torah in his backpack. And just days after the rabbi died, Joachim was liberated. He found himself on a British military ship sailing for Palestine. There he started a new life for himself, but he rarely spoke about his days in the concentration camp. He tried very hard to forget everything. He went to school. He studied atmospheric physics, got a doctorate here in UCLA in 1966. He became one of Israel's leading physicists. He pioneered many experiments. And it was while working on an experiment of how dust particles affect the climate that he met a young man named Ilan Ramon. They became friends. Once, while Ilan was over at Dr. Joseph's house, he noticed a tiny Torah scroll on his shelf. What's this? And for the first time, Joachim Joseph told the story of his bar mitzvah in Bergen-Belsen. Ilan was so moved by the heroics of the story, and he said, Will you give me permission to take this Torah with me? into the space shuttle, so that all the world could indeed hear the rabbi's message of 1944, so that all can be inspired by this one tiny Torah. And Dr. Joseph agreed. Ilan Ramon was interviewed in a teleconference from from aboard the space shuttle. He took this this tiny Torah, he held it up in his hand, and he said to the entire world, this Torah scroll was given to by a rabbi to a young, scared, thin, 13-year-old boy in Bergen-Belsen. 
It represents more than anything the ability of the Jewish people to survive. It represents their ability to go from periods of darkness to reach periods of hope and faith in the future. The astronauts took many experiments with them into space. Most of that data was lost as Columbia disintegrated on its way back to Earth. But the Torah experiment of Ilan Ramon, its data, was not lost. Its message lives on. The Torah who made its appearance in the very depths of hell made its last appearance in the heights of heaven. These are heroes, my dear friends. Ilan Ramon doesn't make us, us aspire to be astronauts. He makes us aspire to be great. To want to live on a higher plane, to be a hero too. To want each day to mean something in our lives, not just minutes ticking away. He was a hero not just because he was an astronaut, and not just because he was a Jewish astronaut, and not just because he was the first Israeli astronaut in space, but it was because of how Ilan Ramon chose to spend his time preparing for his mission and on the mission that truly made him great. Because by his own choice, he chose not just to represent himself and not just to represent Israel, but he decided to represent all of Judaism, all of the Jewish people, and all of Jewish history. Let me remind you of what took place in the months preceding his flight. He spent considerable time studying his Jewish heritage. He spent a lot of time studying with a colleague of mine, Rabbi Tzvi Kanakov of Chabad of the Space Coast. He wanted to learn all about Jewish traditions. He wanted to learn about kosher. Why? So that he can keep kosher in the space shuttle. He wanted to learn about Shabbat so that he can truly keep a complete Shabbat in the space shuttle. Not because he was a religious Jew, but because he wanted to represent our people. And if I'm going to represent them, I'm going to do it right. He knew what it meant to be an ambassador, and he had a message to deliver. And I remember ABC News questioned him, is this not a waste of money to have an astronaut take a complete 24 hours off? You mean you're not going to work a whole Saturday? You don't got too many days up there. You got a big workload. You know, we spend millions of dollars training and preparing for each flight. And his response was so simple. He said, it is important for people to know that there are things more valuable and more powerful than money. Shabbat represents a focus on family life and a focus on God. It represents a focus on community and a focus on friendship. And these will get you beyond any experiment we can possibly do in the space shuttle in that time. More important than any technology, to sit with your family around the Shabbat table and sing the Shalom Aleichem. This was Alan Ramon. This was the message he delivered to the world as a Jewish ambassador. Years ago, a man by the name of Rabbi Leo Goldman was on a flight from Chicago to Detroit. He noticed one of these fellow passengers, an elderly Jew, having a bit of struggle putting his carry-on onto the upper storage containers. So the rabbi came up to this elderly man to help him put his carry-on up. It turns out this man was on his way home after having attended a family wedding in Chicago. And so Rabbi Goldman says, with all due respect, I can see it's difficult for you to travel. You're an elderly man. Couldn't have you just sent in your regrets that it's a long schlep for you and it's hard for you? So the man says, oh, no, no, no. Ever since the concentration camps, I never miss an opportunity to celebrate the Simcha. 
I travel, whether it's a bris, a bat mitzvah, a bar mitzvah, a wedding of a grandchild, a wedding of a nephew, a wedding of a distant cousin. I'm there. I'm there. I'm on that dance floor. I'm celebrating. You see, that's, that's my response to Hitler and his Nazi thugs, Yemach Shimon. This is where history gets to see who laughs last. And then this elderly survivor says to Rabbi Goldman, let me tell you a story. After the war was over and we were liberated, I didn't know what to do and where to go. So I decided to go back to my hometown of Vilna. First of all, I wanted to see if there was anyone else that survived for my family. And secondly, while in the camps, I would often dream of being back in the large synagogue where I prayed with my family. I was driven by this inexplicable desire to go back to my synagogue and visit. It took a long time for me to get there. I was not the only one. There were a few hundred of us battered and broken human beings trudging along, asking, searching, hoping. We came to Vilma. We walked the streets. We could barely recognize the place. As was the case throughout Europe, by ridding Vilna of its Jews, the haters, whether it was the Nazis, the Russians, or the locals, they essentially drained the city of its life force, of its dynamism. The old neighborhood had become a very dark, desolate place. It was at that point that someone in the group brought to our attention that that night was going to be the holiday of Simchat Torah. Suddenly our spirits soared. We decided we're going to go to the great synagogue and we were going to celebrate the Hakafot. We're going to celebrate the dancing of Simchas Torah back in our place of our youth. We didn't just walk, we ran. We ran towards the great synagogue of Vilna. When we came there, there were boards and there were barricades, but we didn't care. We tore them down. We rushed into the sanctuary. And upon entering, we couldn't believe the tragic sight that met our eyes. The ruin, the devastation, the desecration. Torn pages of prayer books strewn all over the floor. Bullet holes in the walls and bloodstains on the benches. We cleaned up as best we could and we decided that notwithstanding our sorrow and anguish, we would hold our Simchat Torah celebration. We walked to the eastern wall to the magnificent holy ark. We opened the doors to the ark. And they were empty. There were no Torahs to be found. We were beyond hope-broken, heartbroken. All of our enthusiasm just drained from our souls. But then I looked around our group. There were around 400 of us there, 400 adults, many of them elderly. But there were also two children, two, maybe eight or nine years old in the room, whose families somehow survived the roundup and extermination of Vilna Jewelry. Two children out of 400 people. And at that moment, an idea came to my mind. We started singing a song. We formed a circle. We began to dance. We had no Torah scrolls to carry in our arms, so do you know what I did? This elderly man tells Rabbi Goldman on this plane, we took those two beautiful children, we lifted them on our shoulders, and with tears in our eyes, we cried out, Ribono Shalom, Master in Heaven. We have no scrolls of ink and parchment, but these are our Torah scrolls. These are our living Torahs. We danced and we danced from evening until morning with those smiling children. And the great shul of Vilna was so suddenly filled once again with the sanctity 
and with song, with spirit, and with joy. And that's why, says this elderly man on the airplane, I go to every simcha, every celebration that I can. For as I felt that night when I saw those children, and when I'm on that dance floor, I know, I know. Am Yisrael Chai. The nation of Israel would live on. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.